Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's living legends. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Broadway Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's living legends. Musicals are not only known for their scores and performers. Sometimes a costume can become as synonymous with the show as a great song or a memorable dance. The yellow dress from Contact. The black lace body stocking from Nine. The Technicolor gangsters from the revival of Guys and Dolls. All of those visual touchstones as well as those in the producers cabaret and gray gardens all came from the brilliant mind of one man our guest today the legendary six-time tony award winner william ivy long tell them that you're in my basement studio oh, oh I, <laughs> we had a tour actually when we got here william took us on a tour of his studio and we're downstairs now and looking around us i'm look uh, and we're kind of overwhelmed by it it's um, absolutely it's incredible spooky, it's it? amazing it's a, anita morris's costume is on display it's one of the first things you see so if you are a musical theater geek you would this is this is your <laughs> you're in heaven here this is your disneyland this is your disneyland and, how long have you been in the space william seven years i just the way i can remember it is i went to a final dress rehearsal of dream girls that we did at the apollo huh. and i left my townhouse in chelsea to go to work and i came back and spent the night halloween night here because i hadn't found a place till i was you know <laughs> crashing in the studio oh, as they say because i forgot to find a place to live and work <laughs> well, you know. after i sold my house so but it was halloween and dream girls combined and there you go how can you forget that of course the year escapes me but the you know the national <laughs> is, is that how holiday. you measure your life and shows yeah you know, i was working absolutely. on this show at this point oh that's how i count uh the months Oh, yeah. Yeah, they aren't really months. They're just overlapping <laughs> projects. So uh, I've just left Greece live yep. in the cold weather. Which... I think it was recently, and I think it was yeah. winter. <laughs> but that was, that's the seasonal. In fact, it was freezing in, in L.A. It was so really? crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the weather there's oh, that's been right. crazy. And yeah. it rained for that opening and it rained, sequence. So, yeah, and they we, had to... and we had a little tsunami, you oh, know, my uh, El Nino, yeah. that was going to knock out... Uh, we all together yeah. and rat it out a ding ding. You know that was going to be blown away. You wouldn't even <laughs> seen well, thank it. Thank goodness it wasn't because we, we had were blown away. in the school colors. It was fantastic. It was it was great. And Jessie J donned her. You know, she was she the only it. one refused to have it. She said, "I'll just get wet." Yes. <laughs> I said, "Go, girl." Okay. That's, That's what I like show is. Yeah. She got That's wet. She didn't want those lights to cast any shadows on her face. <laughs> so, so William, where'd you grow up? North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Whereabouts in North Carolina? Oh, my goodness. Raleigh, mm -hmm. uh, then Chapel Hill. My parents were uh, college professors, mm -hmm. oh. and they met and then taught at Chapel Hill, the Carolina Playmakers in, in Chapel Hill, uh, University of North Carolina at Chapel what they, Hill. What they teach? Uh, theater, mm -hmm. theater. Mm -hmm. My father was, uh, in fact, I was conceived in Montreal because oh. my father's first job after they got married and after World War II was teaching Shakespeare at McGill University. Wow. Oh, so wow. Uh, I consider myself half Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and like, French Canadian like at that. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, je suis... <laughs> <laughs> C'est bon. Je suis if Canadian. Canadian Ted Cruz is looking for a vice presidential running mate... I'm the one. I think... I am the one. We'll get one whole Canadian out of that. I think so. <laughs> and now that I'm working in Toronto again, I've done several musicals and two films mm -hmm. up there. Mm -hmm. Just love Toronto. Yeah. Mm. And now we're doing Rocky Horror Picture Show up there. That's exciting. Oh, wonderful. Uh, in 
various locations like spooky houses and castles and, yeah. and movie theaters. It's, it's great to surround yourself with these images. How much of the images on the wall are you? How much are your assistants? How much are interns? Oh, it's all of the above. I, uh, I'm one of the last dinosaurs to collect books. Mm-hmm. I will only look at books. I do not look at images online. What's the point? Yeah. It's too small, and I hit the out. wrong thing, yeah. and yeah. it turns into another ad for diuretics. So <laughs> I am so not doing that. So I like the books, yeah. so that's what I do. They, however, find their own, on their own device. They're up to their own devices. <laughs> They're up to their eyeballs in the devices. And so you notice there's no computers down here. Yeah. I threw yeah. mine into the dumpster one day. I said, I am not going to play this game. So, but they are upstairs. They were all born, you know, in the, the last century <laughs> or this century. Some were born in this century. And so I was born many centuries ago, cosmically. This might be a hard question, but if there is one book you wish that all costume designers would have on their shelf, what would that book be? Oh, that I wish for others? Yes. You mean I would be generous enough to share yes. inspiration? <laughs> oh, let me see. The one I, the one that I love the most that's, that's out of print, is, it was a, it's the uh, catalog from the Charles James exhibit at the Brooklyn Museum called The Genius of Charles James. Wow. I do wish that on everyone. They're out of print. I think they're $400 for the hardback and $250 for the paperback. But I do wish that on everybody. I'm going to tell you there's some other ones. And I'm going to, there is a uh, hardback and a, a paperback of Bob Mackey. It's called mm-hmm. Dressing for Glamour. You can learn a lot from Bob Mackey, and I keep it by my bedside. Mm. So you grew up in a, in a theater household. I did. I grew up, in fact, the, in the front hall of the house was often the scene dock. And I remember whenever we do something that was like, oh, the heiress, my parents would direct the heiress somewhere, all the family portraits and the Victorian furniture would all disappear (laughs) 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 to the stage. And and then the dining room table, uh, my mother used, she made costumes on it. So I just thought that was what you, that was normal. That was the new normal. Put on a show. And uh, yeah. Did you always know you were going to be a designer? Oh, absolutely not. No, in fact, I tried very hard not to be. I went to William & Mary, Mm -hmm. uh, majored in history. It's Mm -hmm. one of the great places to go for Mm -hmm. history, as you well can imagine. Mm -hmm. I loved it there. I just loved it there. I loved William & Mary. I loved the liberal arts and uh, uh, programs and uh, being in Colonial Williamsburg. Architecture has always been my... I always wanted to be an architect Mm. and a historian. Then I went to Chapel Hill in art history and uh, Renaissance Baroque architecture. I was a teaching fellow, a Cress teaching fellow and uh that was fantastic but the and and it's because i had been resisting the parental you know the apple was just not going to fall anywhere yet but (laughs) then i stayed with a friend i rented not rented a room i stayed with a uh, friend a a teacher of my parents uh betty smith she wrote a tree girls in brooklyn Brooklyn. and uh she had taught them playwriting and she was there and said let billy come and stay with me so billy stayed with betty smith and lo and behold, Betty Smith had been one of the original playwrights uh, when George Pierce ba- Baker founded the Yale Drama School. Oh, wow. Oh. He had 13 playwrights. They called it the Baker's Dozen. Oh, Get it? The Baker's <laughs> Dozen. See what you did there. And th- there you go. The first actual ex- example of osmosis creeping into my body. She had gone to the Yale Drama School. She said, oh, why are you doing this? You need to, do desi- you need to go direct, act, mm. design, write plays. She says... 
whatever, you have to go to the Yale Drama School. Well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so were you, uh, you were still a professor at the time? Were you No, you I, was, I was or? a teaching assistant. Oh, I see. I was, no, no, I was in graduate, a graduate teaching assistant. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, teaching fellow, I yeah. guess it was fellowship. Yeah. And uh, I completed three years and then, uh, and, you know, went to, and, and uh, to go to study with uh, Ming Chir Lee, the great Ming Chir oh, Lee. Oh, yeah, legendary. Uh, yet yeah. another person who has changed my life. And um, oh. he's still there. So, boys and girls, go run quickly. Go enroll and study with the great Ming Chir Lee. Oh, I mean. Yeah, he's still there. And the very first day, this is why. And I was going to be in set design. I was a set design major because yeah, architecture, yeah. you understand history, right. architecture. Yeah. What a risk because you never really, I mean, you've been around theater, but you hadn't really No, done I hadn't before. studied. And, and I've, I still have only taken one costume design course. It was all <laughs> hear that? set design one and dramaturgy. Because Robert Brewstein was dean at the time. And, of course, it was all about the, the playwright and it was all about the dramaturg. Yeah. And it was all about the play and the words. And if that isn't a good training I mean, to yeah. serve the, the, the art form, That's right. uh, because we are there to serve, our yeah. serving, serving. So uh, it was a great time and place. And the very first day we went to, um, went to school, the very class, and we all, you know, bringing, you know, pencils sharpened <laughs> in the book bag. You know, Ming Cho Lee, here we are. Yeah. And it was uh, in 1970, early 70s, which was it, two, three? And uh, he said, or oh, three, I think it was. And... Um, he asked us if we had all registered to vote. It was one of those crucial, you know, times, not unlike now. Right. And uh, none of us had registered to vote. We had just moved to New Haven. He's, he dismissed the class for us to go down and register to vote. He says, I don't care how you vote, but you must vote. And if that didn't raise the bar for the commitment to storytelling and the commitment yeah. to, That's great. to being responsible humans in yeah. all shapes and forms yes. to tell these important stories... I'll tell you, nothing else is. Why? So that was my first day at <laughs> Yale Drama School. So that's not bad. So it's been uh, downhill ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, when you were at Yale, did you get to go into the city a lot to see oh, yes, theater? But you better believe it. In those old trains that had... Um, what is that? It wasn't velvet. It was something else. But it was on... And it was blue. And they had these revol- uh, switcheroo seats... That when you were going one way, it was on a big sort of cr- little yes. switch thing, and it, you could move it so you'd be going forward. And then when you'd leave the t- city, you'd move it back right, and go to New right. Haven. It's hilarious. <laughs> and mohair. They were mohair. mohair. Oh. Na- royal blue mohair. Of course, stained <laughs> from you know years oh, of, shall we say, pomade. I, that's the nice word for the stain, okay? At the back, just where it hits the head. Yeah, so perfect. So we would go in all expectant and then come back drunks his skunk uh-huh. and making the last train to New Haven and um, it was great and so I got to see you know that chorus line and yeah. the night music and follies and oh. I mean oh really how you know how lucky did you have a favorite though of the ones you do remember oh my goodness yes or one that I was th- yeah I think the one of the one that ju- and Ming came back and described it and he says oh my god red set on gr- red dress on green set which was little night music and there is glennis johns in red dress on green set and the way ming can just sum up something like that and you just go oh wow and i've been asked to design little night music before yeah uh, or since yeah. and i've turned it down because i thought florence klotz i and boris aronson i have yeah. nothing mm. i can't do that it's just wow. don't ask me to design my fair lady because I, I, no, the hubris required 
to design Ascot after Cecil Beaton has designed it. I'm just not going there. Yeah. So I'll be in the audience. <laughs> I won't be designing it. I just don't know how you top certain things. Yeah. And it, revisioning. In fact, anybody who think that, thinks they're being original just hasn't done their homework. Uh, Do you uh, go straight to New York once you finish graduate school? I, I dashed. <laughs> I think I jogged to New York right after. No, actually, I... When time comes for you to leave the final... Oh, poor us who receive something called a terminal degree. That is what the MFA for the Yale Drama School... It's called a terminal degree. It doesn't help your soul, that term. So you've got this terminal degree. (laughs) I was so scared that I didn't want... I didn't want to leave. I'd been in college. I'd been in... I grew up on college campuses from zero. Yeah. And then I had gone to three, four years, three years, and three years. This was to be the first time not on a college campus. It didn't occur to me NYU was here, Hunter. You know, I could have run to one of those. So, but instead, since in my ignorance, I thought, oh, teacher, I have to find a new teacher. You know, I'm leaving Ming Chu Lee. What am I going right, to do? Right. And so I had been reading uh, to avoid work. We were at the library reading every single thing, right. newsprint, unicorn. And Women's Wear Daily was just the the newest sort of thing. And I read this article about Charles James. Remember, there were no books. Yeah. There was no internet. You mm-hmm. had to actually read articles right. if there were no books right. or articles. So I found an article, and I read about it, and I said, oh, my goodness, an architect in clothing. Look, architecture. And so I came in before I matriculated, <laughs> and uh, in my terminal degree... You see, if you aren't beaten down by words, <laughs> you might have a chance. So I matriculated. So I came in and I went to the Chelsea Hotel and met with Stanley Bard, the legendary Stanley Bard, and said, I want to move to the Chelsea Hotel because I want to work with Charles James. He said, oh, he's very secretive. I don't think you mean it. I said, well, I still want a room here and I really want to work with Charles James. He said, well, good luck. <laughs> so I lived there for the next five years, 75 to 80. And I, it took me six months to stalk Charles James. He was very secretive and very protective. Wow. And Homer Lane was his bulldog. Yeah. And um, what's that dog that guards the gate of hell? Anyway, that was Homer Lane. Quiet version of this dog from hell. Yeah. And so wouldn't let anybody near. So it took me six months, and I finally got him to connect. Wow. And I worked with him on and off doing menial jobs and, again, a osmosising until he died uh, four years later. Wow. So, again, I needed a new teacher. So that was my beginning here yeah. in New York. When did you start doing uh, theatrical work in the city? Oh, my goodness. Because, oh, and I, what I did was, while I could oh, I couldn't get hired for years mm-hmm. because I'm a terrible interviewer. And you can probably tell. No. no. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes. No one would hire me. So I made dolls. I made dolls and made costumes for them. Oh. And that's what I did to keep myself alive. And then, you know, psychically, and then worked for Mr. James, starting at about 1030 at night. Uh, so I don't know when at I slept. But go. I it was in the, the hotel, hotel, so, so yeah, don't worry. No, don't worry about sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, oh, my gosh. How did you get into Playwrights Horizons? Oh, my goodness. I think, well, they asked me to do, Peter Shifter was directing um, Albert's um, uh, Gemini. 
Great play. And I'll just pick, remember? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and asked me to do it, but I was too busy having my breakdown at the Chelsea Hotel and staring out of the window and waiting to work with Charles James yes. from 10.30 all night. So I couldn't even move. Literally, I was having this breakdown. And if it wasn't for Paul Rudnick and Wendy Wasserstein, I would not be, I wouldn't be moving. Really? And they would take my dolls, That the two of them that would come regularly and take my dolls and get in a taxi and go up to the Julie Gallery, Artisan Gallery on Madison. And Julie, who had been uh, uh, a sweet mate with, at Mount Holyoke mm-hmm. with Wendy, uh, would sell them, and I lived off selling these dolls, and mm-hmm. they kept me alive because I couldn't do theater, I couldn't move. What good wow. friends. Anyway, wow. and then my other friends said, oh, well, you've got to come do this thing. Well, I couldn't do it, so other people designed Gemini, but that was at Playwrights, and yeah. so I started going and hanging out there, right. and then slowly my, gra- my friends from uh, the Yale Drama School started working at Playwrights Horizons and, and then- making me... Uh, yeah. Get out of my stupor. Yeah, sure. What was your first Broadway show that you got to do? Oh, my first Broadway show was another sort of Yale uh, sort of type thing because it was the 19... 19- no, well, my first one was Karen Schultz at the Yale Drama School was hired to do this. Okay, Liviu Chule, the Romanian, the great Romanian uh-huh. uh, director, was, uh, had worked with Ming mm-hmm. down at the arena stage mm-hmm. and doing something. And then, um, uh, what's it called... At um, uh, right next to where Wicked is, it's in the basement. Um, Circle in the square. Circle mm-hmm. in the square. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leave you and Ming were going to do the Inspector General. Uh, Leave you was going to do the costumes. Ming was going to do the scenery. Ming got busy. Uh, Leave you said, "Oh, just find one of your students." So Karen Schultz did it. Uh, was doing the scenery. Then Leave you got nervous. Oh, I can't do the costumes. Karen would just find someone. <laughs> and she's, and I brought my portfolio for someone. This is my first job. Yeah. It didn't even look at the portfolio because it didn't matter. They he just, just started someone. giving me notes. notes. <laughs> and that was how I got my first Broadway show. Karen Schultz brought somebody. Uh, <laughs> and I just started taking notes. And so Incredible. that was, I started with Leave You. Great director. I've, I subsequently did three other projects with yeah, him and, yeah. and, and an opera in Wales. And oh, wow. Many things. I have multiple repeats because once you've gotten used to me, it's just, you know, then you're <laughs> well, fine. But yeah. getting used to me takes a moment. So that was my first Broadway show. My second Broadway show was my first musical was the 1940s Radio Hour, which yes. we had done yeah. at the Yale Cabaret, oh. the summer cabaret, oh, so which my year, my year class uh, founded. You had some good we, members in that class. We were I so, think. yes, we called it the Meryl Streep class for yes. the very obvious reason <laughs> yes. that it was the Meryl Streep class. And we called it that at the end of our first year. You knew then oh, that she was special. Oh, baby, yes. And so we did, the, but we were very cocky. We were, we were all very proud of ourselves. <laughs> we had Sigourney Weaver in there. Kids. Oh, yeah, yeah she was my yeah. first roommate. Yeah. At, uh, at this little Victorian, big Victorian house on uh, Chapel Street. So anyway, we, uh, in fact, Sigourney took, um, I, so I arrive at this Victorian house. My roommate from William Mary drives me up, and he goes into the green room. I'm scared. I, have, I don't know. I'm amazed that I've gotten this far with the <laughs> trepidatious scaredness and, you know, absolute sit-down strike of my soul. Mm-hmm. So he goes in, and... And takes the last hanging chad, we now call them, mm-hmm. 
And it said roommate wanted. And I showed up there. I got this room. My sweet mate was this beautiful brunette woman and shared the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, come to the cabaret. She takes me to the cabaret. And we sit at these uh, very self-consciously red check tablecloths with Chianti bottles with yes uh, (laughs) candles in them. I I didn't realize it was ironic at the time. I just thought, oh, I get it. It was being (laughs) ironic because the play starred this man wearing a full beard in a nun's outfit as a mother superior from Sound of Music. And uh, this other man, no beard, was wearing a blue taffeta uh, evening gown. And it was Albert and Chris. I can't remember the name of the play, but he was playing Mother Superior, and Chris was playing Laura from Glass Menagerie. Blow out your candles, Laura. And... (laughs) I did not know what had happened. And the lights came up, and Sigourney says, wasn't that great? I don't know what I looked like, but I had no words. And then the Old Testament prophet comes and sits down with us, beard and very pronouncing. I was waiting to be told to go slay the the pogranites or something. You know, it was like the Old Testament comes and holds forth on what we had just seen. And I'm going, okay, here's this absolutely drop-dead gorgeous model actress who is going to now take me home because I didn't leave breadcrumbs. I didn't know where we lived. (laughs) And here's this, uh, you know, Isaiah. And we've just seen who knows what. Well, it was Michael Feingold. Oh, the oh, critic, who goodness. my dear friend from that day on, of course, and <laughs> he had just t- and he it was Greek. I had no idea what he was saying about what we'd just seen. The the re- I, if my roommate had not left me <laughs> at that big turn, <laughs> I would have left that night. I didn't know what type of theater it was, what was happening, but it was Chris and Albert doing that you know, off-the-wall yeah. play, and Sigourney and Michael Feingold just lauding it to the heavens, oh. and I'm going, I don't know what is happening. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. And the next day we show up for Yale, and Ming Cho Lee sends us to go vote. So all of a sudden, oh it just oh, that was all... was all in 24 hours. Oh, yeah. Hours. It all happened like that. Huh. So I'm telling you, my life is in other people's hands. Oh, I, I have written down, me, Jack, you, Jill. Why what did you that? write that down? I, I'm curious you know what, that, what that I was. be doobie doobie that you press yes. on some computer yeah. thing. It, and it's the first listing, they professional that, listing, oh, first union job I ever had. I assisted Michael Jurgen and Larry King no. for Adela Holzer. Mm-hmm. If you if that rings a bell, she was sent to prison for doing what no one is sent to prison to do any anymore. Um, cooking. Well, no, I guess Garth Drabinsky did. Yes. Um, but Adela Holzer was doing that was a play. Me, Jack, you did Jill, and and I. It was the first time I ever, and the only time I ever assisted. Mm-hmm. Mm. No one would be foolish enough to hire me to assist, except Michael had was at and Larry were at Yale, and they yeah. were used to me. So I like it was contemporary, and I took Barbara Baxley, shopping the great Barbara Baxley, and then are you ready? Drum roll! Sylvia Sidney was in it. Oh my! The silent film star was in it. That was unbelievable. And then Lisa Kirk, and I will never forget taking Lisa Lisa Kirk Kirk. to Halston, and because Halston was going to clothe her. Oh, nice! Oh my goodness, that was a trip and a half. So not only is it my first. Professional job, my first union job, my first Broadway assisting, but it was I meet Halston. Yeah. With Lisa Kirk. You Insane. Know. 
you know, it's too darn hot, Lisa. Yes. Her ass is so that's why. And, but then ever after that, I ran screaming and, and Larry and, and, you know, and Michael wouldn't even, you know, that was it. No more assistance. Well, the show didn't even open. No, it didn't. Mm. Right. <clears throat> it didn't open. Uh, I have that effect. <laughs> the, <laughs> How did nine come into your orbit? <clears throat> well, actually, it, well, here goes. I'm just going to tell you the truth, and you can, you can believe it or not, but this is absolutely the truth. So on the 1940s radio hour that we did at the arena stage, oh. remember? Uh, oh, yes. We, from yeah. the, uh, people uh -huh. came to the cabaret mm -hmm. and said, oh, we like that, yeah. so we'll do it at the arena stage. Um, I only did the costumes. I didn't do the scenery, too. David Grotman did the, did the scenery, and Paul Gallo did the lights, mm. and Tommy Walsh. We met a, an, a member of the original chorus line. We yeah. were so impressed. Ooh. We actually met one of those original lineup yeah. people, and it was Tommy Walsh. He choreographed it. Mm -hmm. It then comes to Broadway with Tommy Walsh, and now we had done the arena and then the Broadway production. And uh, so that was great. We had bonded at the hip, all of us with Tommy Walsh. This is he, 1940s, yeah. Yeah, 1940s yeah. radio. He was Mr. Broadway. Yeah. And if you ever, if you remember Tommy Walsh, he was Mr. Broadway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was through and through. Michael Bennett, Tommy Toon, he was, and, and his own inner brilliance. But he knew Tommy Toon. He knew Michael Bennett. I mean, you know, this was the conduit yeah. to a bigger world. Yes. You would just touch him and get electrocuted. <laughs> he was that exciting. And so um, there were, I, I didn't read, I wasn't paying, I was working at Pirates Horizons and, you know, whatever. And I get this, uh, Tommy says, would you like to, I, I think we, I'm doing, I'm co-choreographing co this, this um, musical. It's based on Fellini's Eight and a Half. I said, oh, I love Fellini. I love, mm -hmm. you know, because Satyricon was, oh, just so changed my life. Mm -hmm. And um, so... I can't remember what happened first, but he said, I've recommended you as an assist to assist the costume designer for nine. I said, oh my goodness, I've only had one, <laughs> me, Jackie, Jeff, <laughs> assisting, and it ended in tears and the show closed. I don't think yeah. I'm the right person. They, oh, but just go and interview. It's going to be very exciting. Tommy Toon is directing it. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, well then, Okay. So I go to meet with Michael Stewart, who's the producer mm -hmm. and the costume designer. And it's one cold, wintry night, and I remember dragging my portfolio over to Michael's place, which was very... And he was also a member of the original chorus line. He said committing suicide in uh, Buffalo is redundant. Yes. <laughs> that was Michael. Anyway, so I'm meeting the second person I, you know, from yeah. the legendary... So, of course, I was shivering, shivering. And uh, he showed me tear sheets, and he showed me some of the sketches that sketch artists had done and this. And, and I said, he looked at my portfolio, and, and uh, he said, well, Tommy Toon says the nicest things about you, so I'm sure they're true. I'm not. And then I don't know what his reaction to my portfolio was, but um, it was a big one. You know, back then, you dragged around your portfolio. Yeah. And it was snowing, mm -hmm. and he asked me, and I look, and I just go, honestly, Mr. Stewart, I, I'm going to have to turn this down. I don't think I can assist. I think, I think I, I, I'm doing my own work now at Clarence Horizons. Yes. You know, I think I'm, I'm going to have to turn this down. So thank you so much. So I walk home oh in the snow, weeping because I've just turned down working on a Broadway show. Yeah. And months pass. 
and I get a phone call because this is when you had to be by the phone. Yes. Or you didn't get that phone call. And I said, yes. They say, well, uh, we're measuring the actors tomorrow. If you would bring uh, your measuring tape and something to write with, uh, they'll be available from 10 o'clock on. I said, oh, um, who did you call? Is this William Long? I said, yes, it's William Long. Well, uh, we were told to call you to come and measure the actors. I said, um, I, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. Uh, but aren't you the costume designer? I said, oh, I turned that. It took a while. And I finally said, oh, well, okay, I'll come. And I thought, what am I doing? I've already turned this down. Yeah. I've got to go. They asked, said I was the costume designer. I go literally... And there is Lilian Montevecchi, and I'm standing there, and I still don't know what I'm doing there because I had turned this down. Well, by the end, by noon, by break, dinner, lunch break, I had realized that I was the costume designer for <laughs> Nine the Musical, and I was measuring people high at the Golden Horseshoe, high above the uh, theater where uh, Aladdin is right now. What's yeah, that called? Palace. New Amsterdam. Oh, the Am- yes, I was at the Golden Horseshoe, and that's how I got my first big break. <laughs> like no, you had no and, renderings? Yet no, no, I was there to measure. <laughs> and then I go and meet, and then I go and meet with them. Because remember, I didn't know why I was there. But right. Tommy, I'm going to be there for Tommy. Yes, of course. Okay, I'll go measure until you, you know. And then I go and meet, and I'm like that, and the rest is history. I mean, there's much more to it, but that's the craziness. That's how I got the job. And my first professional Broadway job is this Leave You Chule production of Inspector General, Just Get Somebody. And my first musical, well, was, was the 1940s Radio Hour. Yeah. My second musical, and the one that totally changed my life, is Come Measure People at the just top of the... Um, come on over. Yeah, come on over. How did you and Tommy Toon come up with the visual look? Let me start with Fellini. Yeah. And uh, d- was it Danilo Donati who designed, uh, or Piero Tozzi who designed uh, um, Eight think, and a Half? I, I think, think it was Donati. Danilo Donati. Yeah. And so, see, I've mentioned them both of them. Just I in case, both. <laughs> Just both in brilliant. case. Both brilliant. And uh, yes, and Mr. Tozzi is still with us yeah. and uh, received a special um, Lifetime Achievement Oscar oh, wow. uh, two, two Oscars ago. They, he, he, it was shot in black and white. Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, let's just stay in black and white. Mm-hmm. And Tommy had uh, Larry Miller design the set from a tear sheet that Tommy was looking through in Architecture Magazine and found this all-white um, spa. Mm-hmm. And he was wanted to do it at a spa. He thought, let's, do, let's have this whole story take place in one place and all these... And he handed it to Larry. Now, that was already happening before, because remember, Michael yeah. Stewart was designing the costume. So they sort of forgot <laughs> to include me because they were all, you know. Right. Yeah. And uh, Marsha Madeira did the lights. And um, so it just sort of started with meeting. And I remember going to Tommy's, uh, what was it called, the Giraffe House. Oh. Which um, Tommy had inherited from Michael Bennett. It's right near uh, oh, yeah. um, City Center. Oh on 50, 40, 54th Street, yeah. 55th Street. What, yeah. And um, we go there, and, and uh, Tommy said, well, now, who of us has been to Venice? We had, had all the book. He, we were at his house. Yeah. And I raised my hand and said, okay, so William Ivy, you have to tell us about Venice. Because <laughs> I went on a school trip. <laughs> you know, between William and Mary and Chapel yeah. Hill, yeah. I, I took one of those, you know, mini uh, grand tours for three months. 
and I went to Venice. Like that. Yeah. We were all kids. <laughs> Ignorant as <laughs> dirt. Except Tommy was a genius at yeah. the time. Well, yeah. He was the, the leader. He still is, he really, not yeah. at the time. Yeah. Ten-time Tony Award-winning Tommy Toon, totally. ladies and gentlemen. He, so he led us. I mean, Tommy was the leader. Are you kidding? And, uh, but he had chosen the spa. He had chosen the, the, the color scheme, that yeah. it was going to be black and white, and all these women. How did you come up with the amazing costume for Anita Morris? Oh, my goodness. Well, I start the whole... Well, you, you've heard that it's sort of back ass words. Oh, the one that's upstairs. Well, we're looking at the, another one right here. Oh, that's, that's my sketch. I've been staring at it sketch it's, it's, this whole time. Yeah, that's my sketch. Yeah. Okay, good. That's the original sketch. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Yep. Uh, but no, the original sketch was done on napkins no. at Charlie's. You hear that? That's Which used to be, it was called, anywhere. what was it called first? It was called something next to Barrymore's, uh-huh. Charlie's and then Sam's, or Sam's and then Charlie's. Anyway, Craig Dawson was the maitre d', and he would keep bringing beer. That's when I, I did, I, you know, at a certain age you can drink beer and not gain 10 pounds yeah. a day. So, uh, that you know, now it's lighter fluid yes. because you don't gain a thing. <laughs> and... Uh, no, I come from the South. Trust me. Yeah. It's lighter fluid. Uh, <laughs> and um, so I, my, my, friend, my assistant, Neil Spizak, and I, and he couldn't get me to make any choices. He was brilliant. He went on, was the production designer for all of the Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, he yeah. was brilliant, yeah. Neil Spizak. But back then, he was this young, I mean, curly-haired uh, talent of, uh, you know, ball of talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, then he became a set designer. And he said, William, we have to. We really can't leave here tonight until you've drawn all of the things you've been telling me about for because I've been doing word pictures of what I saw because I already knew the actors, you know. Like yeah. Yeah. anyway, there was this one night and I, when I guess we closed it too, and by two I had drawn all the costumes um, on napkins. those long. Fortunately, they were the long napkins. <laughs> you know, they weren't the square napkins; they were long wow. that fold over. Yeah, and I have some of those still, and. Um, I had drawn them all in a one of those markers, you yeah. Know, imagine oh, yeah. Jiffy markers mm-hmm. or whatever they're called, um, and I had drawn them all and like that. And since it was a black marker on a white napkin, it evoked. Yes, totally. And uh, that's how I started. But the so then I do other sketches, and then we it's a uh, I have like two weeks to make all these because they say, oh, we're going to do a photo shoot, mm-hmm. mm. and I have two weeks to do all, because they're going to put them all the front of the building. And I mm-hmm. said, what do you mean you're going to put them on the building? You're going to see them, not just headshots? Because no one had done full shit before. Oh. Michael Stewart, yeah. Michael Stewart, That's brilliant, brilliant, thought, well, let's just plaster these boys. It's where Hamilton is right now. Yes, yes, yes. Back the Richard Rogers Theater. Richard, yeah, we used to be the 46th Street, 46 Street Theater. Theater yeah. And there were these big doors, and Michael had the vision. So let's smart. put pictures of the girls. So let's do full shots. I said, aren't they going to be just face shots? Do I have to really make the whole clothes? So I had two weeks, and Barbara Matera made all these clothes and wow. beaded they were all be- in two weeks in two weeks and anita i had done a sketch for for anita and we had made it and it was terrible the costume was terrible didn't look, look like any it was awful it was a disaster i knew she had to be in lace see-through mm. lace and uh she went to tommy and she and grover Dale were like this amazing power couple of talent mm-hmm. and dance mm-hmm. and Art. And Grove is still a great director and mm-hmm. choreographer. And uh, Anita was just, you know, amazing, um, inspiring. And she inspired me so much, I thought, lace, lace, lace against this pure white, white body with a red, flaming red hair. She'd be the only color mm-hmm. in yeah. the show. Mm-hmm. 
was her hair. And I was crestfallen when I failed. And she went to Tommy and said, no, Tommy, I'm not wearing that. All I need is a long sleeve turtleneck top and trousers and pencil cigarette trousers. Oh. That's all I need, and I can do my career. In other words, all dancers, you want, right. you, Fosse has even talked, you know, that yeah. you want the line, line. everything yeah. down to the knuckles yeah. and down to the, yeah. uh, the toes. Yeah. So she wanted that because it's very expressive, this call from the Vatican number. Yeah. And I thought, okay. So, so I, uh, and I went, uh, the only time I've ever broken bread with Tommy Toon, I asked if I could sit with him at lunch because he was so big. And they were in rehearsal, and it was happy. And it was a disaster. And I said, can I have another try? I really don't want to put her in a turtleneck and long trousers, but let me do a lace version of what she wants. Let me try this. He says, well, okay, but you know, she really knows what she wants. And Grover, and I mean, they're really, I have to, you know, and sure. I want it, mm-hmm. he says. So sure. I said, well, let me just try this one more thing so because the photo shoot we had she was the only one with just a headshot yeah. because the costume was such a disaster so all oh. you saw was anita's oh. head oh everyone oh. else full full anita's head <laughs> i know it looks like we were punishing her <gasps> for making a color choice <laughs> right. so she's being punished for that so only her head well so i thought i get her to come in we had made this stretch nude out of nude stretch because it was lace. It, I was going to try to take little lace pieces and put it together. Mm-hmm. But we made it all the way up to the neck, all the way down to the fingertips, and all the way down to the floor. Mm-hmm. Made this nude thing. And Werner Kulowitz uh, was the draper. He's more than draper. I, he's the artist genius. And I've done so many things with him. Yeah. And Werner was making that outfit. He had been assigned that by Barbara Matera. And she comes in. She has the mumps. She's exhausted. She's drinking tea, herbal tea, and she has, I won't be able to stand very long. She grew up 12 miles from, from me. Oh. In Durham, North Carolina. I'm oh. from Raleigh and Chapel Hill. So, you know, we're 12 miles from each other. And so she said, I'm just so, I'm so sick. I won't be able to stand. But Tommy said I should come. And I'm, I, of course, mimic it right back because I talked that way too back then. And, of course, now Still. I'm all sophisticated and I've lost mm. it. Well. But so... And she was standing there and just too exhausted. And, I, and, and the lace pieces were terrible. They were awful. And it wasn't working. And I, something, a light bulb, went, the prever, proverbial light bulb went off. And there was a fabric that I had bought for another outfit. It was mm-hmm. for the coperto, we called it. Mm-hmm. Tommy, Tommy's name for the capes, the Venetian dominoes. Yeah. But he yeah. called them the coperto. Because yeah. Tommy always has his own version of life, thank God. Yeah. And uh, it's parallel, but it's, it's his own version of life. And so the coperto, and I bring in, I say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then I come in the room, I said, okay, shut your eyes, shut your eyes. So both Werner and Anita shut their eyes. <laughs> I take a bolt, this bolt of fabric and I drape it over her. And she opens her eyes and starts singing. <gasps> what? Like, ah, ah, yeah. you know, like that. And starts singing her number. And we ended up making, it was this flocked, it was that fabric. And I had it to go over this green cape. Yeah. Love it. And she started singing. The mumps disappeared. And we had a two-hour <laughs> fitting. 
And we basically pinned it. And then she proceeded to show us, because it wasn't stretched. Yeah, yeah. She said, well, and you can put a stretch piece right under, if we put a belt here. But So Anita Werner and I designed it. Oh, that's incredible. Collaboration. Absolutely. Collaboration. Ab- and the magic genie that sat on my shoulder and made the light bulb go off and go and grab that fabric. Yeah. But Anita Morris, ladies and gentlemen. Brilliant. Now, speaking of collaboration, you had, what, 23 women in the show? Is that right? Somewhere around that's there? That's right. One and- man. And three little, four little boys, four little boys, one man, and uh, Raul Julia. Raul Julia oh, was yes. the man. And if you're going to have the man, he's the man. He's, he's the man. Definitely so the man. that was the man. Did you have a lot of contact with the actors in terms of, you know, how do you envision this character? Or was it was all done through you and Tommy Toon. It started with me and Tommy Toon until Anita and Lillian. Mm-hmm. And Lillian also uh, didn't like her costume. And so, uh, but Lillian is, a, is very much still with us. So I don't think I'll tell that story. <laughs> Suffice it to say, we... That's fair. That's there fair. she is. And she won the Tony Award, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> she and Tommy and I won Tony Award. Did you do the boa? The huge boa that came out of the... Well, that, it seems, she brought from, from the Lido or from the Folie Bergère, and it was 60 feet long. We sewed how many it took... To get ten of them, obviously, because they're six feet brilliant uh, boas, mm. and we sewed um, ten of them together and stuffed them into a little box. It's brought to her by the little boy. She knew. She and Tommy knew how to do this. I, I all all hail to Caesar and yeah. and uh, you know amazing. Do you do you allow when you work with actors even to this day? Do you is there much collaboration? Absolutely. With them and, and you Remember, them? smiles after a fitting is my my motto. Yeah. Yeah. No tears in smiles after yeah. a fitting. You can't leave that room until the 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 actor is thrilled to bits. Yes, totally. Uh, they're just you, that. You, there's no point. Yeah, we are there to tell the story together right. through clothing. Uh, my job is through clothing, and they tell the story through everything. Yeah, and so yes, that. absolutely. What's the most challenging? I'm sure they're all challenging, but what what's one that sticks out in your mind? The most challenging thing to design? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure they're all. I, they're all challenging. Challenge. I, Anyone that has a technical challenge that you well, thought, that really I love transformations. You? I love like Cinderella, where we, you know, oh. the magic. And I asked if I could, you know, we could do the magic with no smoke, no mirrors. Can yes. we just do it with costuming? And that was exciting. But that I don't call that a. Cha- I think you want to say difficult is. I don't know. Everything is life or death. You know. Yeah. And um, I have a. Um, I have a yellow legal pad, small one, by my bedside at all times, or sometimes just note cards. You know, to, in the middle of the night, I, ha- I wake up and mm-hmm. I draw things, and mm-hmm. then I, otherwise I can't go back to sleep. And uh, th- there's nothing that's, uh, what'd you say, difficult or challenging? Everything's challenging. Either one. Either and one. if you don't have a challenge, make up 12. Yeah. Oh, you know, brilliant. make them up. In fact, Tommy Toon said, let's just continue talking about Tommy Toon. <laughs> Ten-time Tony Award-winning Tommy Toon. <laughs> and um, a giant in the business, okay? I can keep on with those puns. Um, <laughs> he he uh, put these uh, sort of cubes mm-hmm. on stage for nine yeah. to help him form the choreography and form the spatial relationships because then he they were his structure, mm. and he had to be creative and, and make around them. And uh, also in Grand Hotel, 
he and Tony Walton put these poles. Yep. Oh, yes. So that they had to relate to them. And in fact, I also heard that, was it Joffrey, Robert Joffrey, or was it Gerald Arpino? Uh, oh, dear, oh, dear, someone told me that if you, let's just say it's Robert mm -hmm. Joffrey, that the Robert Joffrey Dance Studio, mm -hmm. you could, whenever you see choreography from Joffrey, you can, you can feel the invisible columns in the rehearsal space huh. because huh. no one passes through them. All the choreography is to avoid them. Yeah. You can see them. That's one version. Wow. But Tommy took, took that and made it a positive. Right. And he put stumbling blocks in the way. Yeah. And uh, I do that too sometimes. Mm -hmm. I also try to you know, make it such a response. Uh, I'm, I'm not very good at what am I trying to say. I like to define. I love it when directors tell me requirements and impossible requirements. Yes. And very strict, you know. Uh, there are boundaries. Yes. Boundaries, that's yeah. the word. I'm yeah. looking for boundaries. I love the boundaries. And this is how I, and like you're surrounded by things that help me set up boundaries. Um, because then that increases the challenges to, to throw your, turn your yeah. question back on me. What are the ch challenges? What are the boundaries? Yeah. Yes, bring them on. Bring on more of these requirements mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it helps you. It helps you you know, push and, and think and, and uh, invent. Yeah. What happens when you get into a collaborative situation where the director doesn't say to you, he doesn't give you the boundaries. It's, you know, I, you know, you're brilliant. I trust you, whatever you want. Oh, then you're scared to death. Oh, that's very, well, that's infrequent yeah, <laughs> in the American sure. theater. This is true. Sure. Infrequent. <laughs> I don't know many directors who don't give you boundaries. Oh my goodness. Where do you find the Mars? Uh, <laughs> the Mars Repertory Theater. The Mars theater. <laughs> Repertory Theater. No, I don't think I'm in danger of meeting people like that. Um, but sometimes there are projects with that. Well, then you just quick as a Quick as a flash, better find some boundaries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think you need them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you need them. That's right, because a lot of young students often are paired with young directors, and sometimes the director doesn't have a very clear vision, and that's the answer. But y your answer was fantastic, which is, you know, create your own boundaries. Create, your, own, create your stumbling yeah. blocks. That's brilliant. Yeah. Trip yourself up. Yeah. Right. Because... Uh, Make yourself uneasy. I mean, we can continue with this because it is all about get out of your comfort zone. Uh, surround yourself with imagery so you don't rely. Change your sketching style. Yeah. Make yourself do it in a different medium. Change your paper style. Um, I do all of these yeah. things. Um, get out of your comfort zone. Turn it upside down. Uh, draw with your left hand. <laughs> I even did yeah. that. Really? I've even done that. Draw with your left hand. I don't do it continuously, but uh, <laughs> you hear that, folks? <laughs> not so pretty. Uh, but one time I was just, you know, but but all these things, all Brilliant. these things like that, and uh, yeah, and sometimes yeah, like for for uh, Cinderella, I wanted to. I was trying to get because you know birds and animal motifs and 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 moths and butterflies and and strange creatures and. Somehow I just decided that I needed to jump off a ledge on this one. And so I got this wonderful, uh, porous, very inexpensive paper to draw on. It's like newsprint, but mm -hmm. thicker. It's yeah. like, it used to be called, um, is it called crash paper? It's just mm. very porous. Very... And I drew with no, no sketching, no under sketching. I drew with a uh, stopper, ink stopper. Oh, the oh. Ink, like this, like this. Here's it is. 
it, yeah. it, this is in a this is silver, but I drew the entire thing with ink stopper, and I would start oh. with the eyes like this, and nose, and and ears, and there's the mouth, and you know, like like I'm doing right here, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm and uh, that's and you start at the amazing. top, and you get to the bottom, and if it doesn't work, you have to go to another piece of paper. Because it goes right through. Oh, yeah. Interesting. And there, it's a colored paper, so it's got a off gray, yeah. so you can't white out. Yeah. And I needed the danger. I needed the danger of drawing with ink. It's like doing the crossword puzzle in ink. Yes, totally, yeah. totally. Except I'm not that smart. <laughs> uh, but I do draw. I so And I've been doing that ever since. Oh, wow. The danger, because I loved the danger. It was scary. The sketching was life or death. This is going to work. Or not. Yeah. And then I was doing, the next thing I did it on was Bullets Over Broadway, and I wanted to also be scared. So I got one pad of paper. Oh, my God. A different color from the regular. And I said, okay, <laughs> this is the pad. There's only one pad of this color. You see, I get desperate. I have to keep... Pushing these things. This is what happened when you have a long career. Well, you have to really a, a invent those bulwarks. Career. Do you ever get to that blank page and it and and you just think, oh no, what am I going to? Sure. Do? And the yeah. blank page, there are only twenty of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so absolutely, you have to you have to raise your own uh, bars. Oh, yeah. You know what a lesson. And uh, well, you have to. And look, look, how I just did it. See, there's a face coming alive. It's amazing. Because that's it. Because yeah. you can't like turn it over either because it bleeds through. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, you've got to. So there. That's brilliant advice. I think that's brilliant advice for anybody in it's this It's desperation field. advice. Cha yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boundaries and challenge yourself. What were some of the challenges of doing Guys and Dolls? Oh, my goodness. Oh, living up to living up to the great Tony Walton. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The biggest challenge in the world. Tony, working with Tony, I've done like, I think I had to present him with an award once. And that was the first, and someone looked at IBDB thing up. Yep, on, yep, that yep. was the first time I was even aware of it. And I found that I was his most frequent collaborator. Oh my God. After himself. Because he does scenery and <laughs> he costume. Does, he does everything, yeah. Yes. yeah. It's amazing they even let me do, do any, because he's perfect. He's a one man band. He also yeah. directs. Now, I saw so. Equus oh, in yes. Long Island. Yeah, and ladies and gentlemen, Tony Baldwin. Walton. Yeah. That's all you need. And um, <laughs> so when you work with Tony Walton, he finished. Okay, this is the order in which design should happen. Sets, costumes, lights, okay? Mm -hmm. The scenery comes first, creating the world. The costumes come next, populating the world. Right. And then lighting discovers it. Discovers where and, and the many things that lighting does. Mood, structure, uh, attitude, irony, mm -hmm. you know, etc. Mm -hmm. So I'm number two. So I will not choose a color until the scenery has been chosen, mm -hmm. the color. Mm -hmm. And every now and then, like Tony, Tony, so the first, so Tony designed Runyon Land with, you know, every color in the rainbow. Yeah. And oh my God, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> because he's already used all the colors. <laughs> and the only thing I knew is that we're going to see two people on stage working from the back. We're going to see Faith Prince as Miss Adelaide in her wedding dress because it's going to be in white. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to put Nathan Detroit in black. So you're going to see Nathan all night because he's in black in all this Technicolor. And you won't see anybody until this white dress appears. <gasps> so I thought, what am I going to do? So Tony did, and uh, with Jerry Zachs, our inspired director, with whom I've done mm -hmm. like 35 productions. Right now, I think our Bronx Tale is the 35th Amazing. production. 
so what I did with Tony, and he couldn't believe I was doing it. He thought, I'm sure, insane. But remember, I was fighting for my life here because every color, not just used, right. but art. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he had created art. Yeah. Each different drop and was like, you know. Yeah. In the, I mean, that was it. That you stop, go no further. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, I've got to put people on this in front of this, <laughs> and you've got to find them. What the hell am I going to do? I don't know how this happened, but I bought, I had my Gauguin book, mm. and I took, I bought a cheap Gauguin. I, I went and bought it again in paperback, and I this is before you could do any, and I cut it up. Uh, so I have two versions of the Gauguin book. And I remember I would take Tony's set sketches in color and I would find a painting by Gauguin where I thought the colors in the Gauguin would stand out against Tony's that set. And I would turn them upside down so you wouldn't recognize the faces or anything. You would just see the color. And that's how I figured out what to put in front of Tony's scenery. I would use Gauguin's colors. And I would use the shadows, and I would, and I would, and turned upside down, and I would find the colors, yeah. and that's how I figured out how to do it because I needed some divine inspiration, and so Gauguin had to be my divine inspiration. <laughs> well, you picked a good that's source. Amazing. That's the answer. Wow. That is incredible. That's the answer. And those costumes now are so iconic with guys and dolls. I, I see so many people trying to replicate mm. the same color palette when uh, revivals happen. And well, stuff good luck that. to them. Yeah. I, don't know, I, I, I don't know if we did it right, but it was hard, hard no, going did, back then. No, yeah. you did it right. You have, and, yeah. the, and the idea to put Nathan Detroit in all black, black so you can follow him throughout the evening, I think is Well, genius. that was the only thing I knew I had to do. Yeah. And then we had Nathan Lane, who changed his name to Nathan. He was Joe Lane. <laughs> And he, because he so identified with his performance in high school in Guys and Dolls, he changed it to Nathan. So I thought, well, not only is Nathan that committed that he changed his name <laughs> to Nathan, <laughs> Detroit Lane. I did not know that. I don't know if Detroit's his middle name, but, you know, yeah. it's implied. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, if he's that committed, you get the only non-color in the book. You get black. (laughs) And Faith can get white at the end. (laughs) But other than that, I had no clue what to do. Until Gauguin came to my rescue. So you and Jerry Zaks, Bronx Tale, you think, is going to be the 35th collaboration together. What do you enjoy working about him? What makes him... Are you kidding me? Jerry Zaks' mantra is trust the material. You can live a long, happy life following that. Trust the material. And remember, Guys and Dolls could have, could have turned out looking like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Trust the material. Mm-hmm. And I remember we, were, we had started previews, or maybe dress rehearsal. Maybe it hadn't gone to previews. Uh, or maybe, maybe it was even more death-defying. Maybe it was previews. I can't remember. It wasn't working. Tony had done Runyon Land. I had put people in front of it. Mm-hmm. The show wasn't, hadn't found its tone, except for Nathan and Faith. And I remember Tony had all the cast all dressed up. It was a dress rehearsal, maybe, or maybe we were in previews still during dress. And he had Nathan and Faith, one of the in ones, sue me, so sue me. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want you all to feel the level of commitment 
that they are presenting and the level of truth and more things like that mm -hmm. that he said. But I remember commitment and truth, and that's how I want you to do your show. And we all sat there, and Nathan and Faith did so sue me, so sue me. And at the end, we were all in tears, all crying, because, you know, that was a piece of art. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cry right now. Yeah. I remember it. Yeah. I remember it. It was just two people. And they were there in front of one of Tony Str Look, tears yeah, are coming. And everyone got their game on, and yeah. it became Guys and Dolls. Yeah. And they, the street was named, by the city, was named after us. And it was called Runyon's Way, and it's still there still on the there. street yeah. to this very day. Wow. And it's all because of that day. Isn't that something? That's yeah. beautiful. It That's is. beautiful. It's a magical world we live in. <laughs> We're lucky people. Mm. We're very lucky. We really are. Mm -hmm. Contact. That yellow Girl dress. Yellow dress. Yes. How did you come up with this? How did you and Ms. Stroman I did, and Susan come up? Stroman did. Okay. Susan Stroman and John Weidman created it, but Susan mm. Stroman thought up that last section. Susan told, as she told me, and I've done almost 30 shows with her, too. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, 28, 26. Anyway, um, she, she, um, are we? Uh, we're, yeah, oh, you're great on time. We're almost done. Okay, mm. but we're almost, I think we're almost, right? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Ten more minutes. Good, I can tell the story. She said she went to, she was out and about, of course, Susan Stroman is, if anything, more of a workaholic than anyone I know, yes. plus 12 people mm -hmm. combined. So how she did this, I don't know when she went out to a bar, <laughs> you know, for fun. So maybe it was apocryphal or maybe it was in her dream. But let's just say she did take a moment. Right. Talk about, I mean, I don't know anyone who, who isn't a fanatic. Yeah. I don't know non-fanatics, okay? Mm -hmm. So, there. Uh, so, fanatic Susan Stroman took a moment out of her life and went to a bar, downtown bar. And everyone was, and it was dimly lit, and there was a dance floor with light on the dance floor, but nowhere else. And uh, everyone was in New York black. Classic. And she was with friends, and all of a sudden, into the light, stepped this woman wearing a yellow dress. And all eyes went, vroom, Right to her, like very lights do on stage. Yep. And they all went vroom, to her. And she seduced every man in that place. And then she disappeared back into the darkness. Wow. Oh. And Susan saw raw power in action. Yeah. And took it back and thought about it and told herself and John Weidman about it and told me about it. I made one for the photo shoot for Deborah Yates. It didn't mm -hmm. work. Um, what's her name did it she was jumping what's uh, green greenfield um green for the photographer green oh uh, Irene green no, uh, no no, no uh, green anyway the photographer who does j jumping uh, brain dead here this plate in the brain um and it was wonderful mm -hmm. and uh that didn't work I made all together nine yellow dresses until I got it right wow and I made them Barbara Terra made the first one then John Schneeman made a next one. Then another shot made a next one. And then Jen King, this young actor, uh, young model mm -hmm. uh, friend of mine, dear now dear, dear, dear friend, she would make a different dress a night. We would do, we would be in rehearsal and something wasn't right. Or I would find a, another fabric and try that out. We made nine different yellow dresses and the last one went in the day after opening. Because you don't put a new dress in on opening. Oh. The rehearsal was with it, 
and Susan approved it, but then we went back to the old one because, you know, there's a yeah. there's a old superstition. Don't put anything new in on open. So, but it went in the next day. Wow. And so that was the one that you all saw. <laughs> it That's was very amazing. difficult. It's the simplest dress in the world, but not. Uh-huh. <laughs> so iconic, though. Yeah. So iconic. Um, and Deborah Yates, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Oh, yeah. Deborah Yates. Yes. And, and, oh, my goodness, yeah, that was, that was a moment. If you could sit down with one designer from the past and you had an hour with them, who would it be? Oh, Irene Sheriff. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Irene Sheriff, like that. Really? We don't, we don't name our greatest award that we give ourselves the Irene Sheriff Award for nothing. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. She's... Irene Sheriff. Oh. Absolutely. Now, that's the first answer. Uh-huh. Yes. Cecil Beaton. Mm. Uh, yes. Miles White, who was a friend of mine. Oh, yeah. Um, Lucinda Ballard, uh, who, des- who refer- won the first Tony Award. Uh, Florence Klotz. Mm. Uh, Ann Roth, still oh. very much with oh, us. Yes. And my dearest friend on the planet, Willa Kim. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I sit down with Willa whenever I can. Are you kidding me? So we stand on their shoulders. Sue Blaine. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my goodness. Bob Crowley. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. There's so many. Are you kidding? There's so many people who are so talented. And, and I, feel, I feel I'm still aspiring when I saw American in Paris, yeah. oh. I just cried. Yeah. I've seen, I saw it three times, oh. and I got closer and closer each time. And Bob's work is just amazing. Oh. Um, there's so many of my, and Anne Roth, I mean, come on. Yeah. So good. And Albert Walski, I st- when you study Greece and you really look at it, yeah. when you want to turn it on its ear and yes. reinvent it, just the magisterial choices Indeed. of that production. So I would say there's a, there's a group, there's a group, and it's a lovely group to study. What advice would you give young designers who want to come to New York City or just or want to cut their teeth in this world? If you really want to do it, stick at it. Mm-hmm. Don't let anything get you down because it will all try to get you down. First of all, the world puts stumbling blocks in front of you. Just life. And <laughs> lots of no. And then once you've succeeded, you've heard me describe how we have to put stumbling blocks in there. Because life is, should, shouldn't be an easy path. Mm. So learn from it and, and, and just stick with it. And uh, I do say, look to your left and look to your right when you're starting out because these are the people you're going to be with for your whole artistic life that generation, whoever you jumped off the bus with, uh, that's your crowd. Make sure you tune in next week when we're going to interview George S. Irving. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 